Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Uh, as we come to our scripture lesson this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about a, a prophet by the name of Elijah. Now, Elijah was an incredible prophet, and God did a lot of incredible things through him. But in the middle of Elijah's ministry, well, towards the end of Elijah's ministry, he kind of got tired and, and worn out. Anybody here ever been tired and worn out? Raise your hand if you've been tired and worn out. Yes, amen. Thank you. Uh, and he was, he was like to the point where he was going to give up. He was just done with it. And uh, so he went and sat under a broom tree, or whatever that is, and sat there and uh, fussed. And, and God came to him and gave him some nourishment and then told him uh, to go to Mount Horeb, the Mount of God. And so he went to Mount Horeb, kind of like going to worship. You know what I mean? Uh, and so when he got there, after 40 days and 40 nights, by the way, on the road, uh, we come to our passage in verse 9. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death by the sword. And I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nemshi king over Israel. And anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel. And Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel. 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. May God add God's blessing, the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. So our question this morning is, what are you doing here? Uh, I wanted to ask everybody that question. What are you doing here? Uh, And as I began to think about that question that God asked Elijah, I began to realize there's a whole lot of ways to ask that question, right? Um, I could ask, what are you doing here? 
And uh, any, any cat will ask you that uh, because cats believe that they are the center of the universe. So the question is, what are you doing here? Uh, because in their mind, they are all that matters and you are simply an interruption uh, in their lives. Uh, now, if you have a different kind of cat, um, there are, I suppose, some different kinds of cats, but most cats are that way. Uh, but that's one way to, uh, a surprise to you. What are you doing here? I, I didn't expect you. Uh, and maybe this morning you, you're saying, well, God's probably saying that to me. What are you doing here? Uh, well, he knew you were coming, and he's glad you're here, and I'm glad you're here. Uh, so the, that's one way to ask the question. Another way to ask the question is, what are you doing here? In other words, you're in a place that you didn't necessarily expect to be. Um, and so here's, here's a guy uh, amongst all these uh, penguins, and, and the question is, what's he doing there? Um, and by the way, I, I do believe there's children's church today, correct? So if you're interested in going to children's church, I, I suppose uh, now would be okay. <laughs> there is children's church, right? Okay, there is children's church, so if you're interested now, uh, is Lori doing it again? Yeah, Lori's doing it today? Okay, so I've got to be shorter today. After last week, she said, now listen, Pastor. <laughs> She said, I had a kid at at the time we were supposed to stop that wanted to draw, and I told him we couldn't because you were about done. You made me a liar. (laughs) So... So we're going to try to get done on time uh, today. So, so the question, what are you doing here? Uh, in other words, uh, you, you're, you're out of place. And I don't know if you ever felt that way, but I've, I've been that way in a lot of places. You know, all of a sudden you show up and people are looking at you like, what, what are you doing here? Uh, so that's another way to look at the question. Of course, the last way is, to, what, what are you doing here? I mean, uh, are you, you know, you're here, but what are you doing? Are you doing anything? Uh, and so this, this guy says, I hate it when people see me at the supermarket, and they are like, uh, hey, what are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, you know, just hunting elephants. Uh, obviously, what are you doing in a grocery store? You should be doing, you know, looking for, for groceries. So, uh, but the focus there is on what are you doing What are you doing? I think it's interesting in this morning's passage that God asks Elijah twice the same question. Did you notice that? What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, I don't know about you, but if God asked me twice, he really wants to know the answer. And I believe that the key to this is that the answer is different each time. Now, you're going to look at me and say, what are you talking about, Pastor? I read it. You read it. He says the exact same thing. Did you notice that? Elijah says the exact same thing both times. But if you look at the response from God after Elijah's answer, God responds in a very different way the second time than he did the first time. Did you notice that, or did you just read too quickly? He he, he responds very differently the second time than the first time. So I have to believe that Elijah answered the question differently between the first time and the second time, even though he used the same words. You see, the words can be different depending on how you say them. Isn't that correct? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? You get it? Okay, so don't, don't get lost here. I want us to look at how God approaches Elijah in the midst of his frustration, in the midst of his weariness, in the, in the midst of his, his downheartedness. Uh, he, he is... He is discouraged. And God doesn't leave us in our discouragements. God comes. So here's Elijah. Well, that's probably not Elijah, but uh, that's the the impression I get. And I believe that Elijah's first answer is an answer, uh, I want to say he's whining. You know what I mean? 
eh, God, you know, look at what's happened to me. Now, that's kind of a, a negative way to put that. I'm not so sure he's whining. He's kind of complaining, but he's got some valid complaints, doesn't he? His life stinks. It's not like he's saying, hey, God, you know, everything's good, but, you know, my, you know, uh, my, my, my hangnail hurts today. He's talking about things that are, are really desperate in his life. So though he may be whining, I, I would suggest to you he's more or less complaining to God. God, this isn't what I signed up for. You ever feel that way? God, I, I said I'd follow you, but I didn't think that's what I signed up for. I, I want you to be aware that when Jesus decided to follow God, uh, it ended in the cross. So you should know what you're signing up for ahead of time. You're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. My guess is there's going to be some sacrifice, and there's going to be some times where you're going to get downhearted. You're going to get discouraged. But here's the good news. Now that I've given you all that, and you're all looking like, so why am I here? What am I doing here, right? <laughs> if that's what it is, what am I doing here? The good news is that God doesn't leave us in our discouragement. God says to Elijah, as Elijah complains, you see, uh, he's done all he can, and, and he, can't, he can't do anything else. He, he's done all he can. And there he is. And furthermore, when he had that great moment, now you have to understand, he had just been on Mount Carmel, not a couple months before that. And up on Mount Carmel, there was this big fight between God and Baal, and the gods of, 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 the, uh, of the Canaanites, and the God of the Israelites, the God of the people of Israel. And Elijah had confronted them and said, hey, let's see which God is real. And so he said, you build your altar, and I'll build an altar to God. And then we'll cry out to God, and whichever God sends fire from heaven, that's the true God. And so they built their altars, and the prophets of Baal built their altar, and they began to beat themselves and wail and cry out. And Elijah began to mock them. I love this story. This is just too good. Uh, and, and he began, well, maybe your God's asleep, or maybe he's in the bathroom is literally what the Hebrew uh, idiom tends to, to lean towards. Uh, and, and he can't hear you. Maybe you need to speak up. Get a little louder. Uh, and, and so they, they go through all this stuff. They actually beat themselves uh, trying to get their God's attention. Of course, Baal doesn't even exist, and Elijah knew that. So it's just kind of like, what are you doing? And then it came time for the evening sacrifice. And Elijah decides that he's going he's gonna to show who God really is. And so he, he takes water, and he pours water on the altar, and he fills a moat around the altar with water. Um, and when the time for the sacrifice came, he got down on his knees and he asked God, Send fire from heaven. Boom! Fire! Yeah! Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Elijah at that point, I'm like, go God! Yeah, God and I, hey, don't mess with me. And then, of course, he says, now, he says, kill all the prophets of Baal, because obviously they're, they're spreading a lie. And, he, and he, he stands up for God, and it's powerful, and it's an awesome moment. So what happened to that Elijah who was so sure, so on top of the world? Well, you know what happened. I'll tell you what happened. Elijah gets done after this huge moment, and he looks around, and he says, yeah, but nothing's really changed. Yeah, I mean, I showed that God is God, but what's he say? The people of Israel are still rebellious. They still haven't put their trust in God. Nothing has changed. I've done all this work, and I, I proved who God is, and we went through all of this, and nothing has changed. You ever feel like that? 
So you clean the house every stinking day, and as soon as it's cleaned, some young human being or old human being walks through your clean house, and immediately it's a disaster. You're thinking, why did I do all that work anyway? So you're at work and you keep doing the grind, the same old, the same old, the same old, and you get home on Friday night and you think, so I made a few bucks, but I didn't change anything. What, what difference did all that make? You see, Elijah had experienced an incredible moment, but nothing had changed. There are people who, who will... Uh, get caught up in a dramatic moment um, in their lives. Uh, And they'll go through that moment, but they don't change. And you see, in that sense, nothing has changed. You can see why Elijah is so disheartened. Nothing's changed. And furthermore, they're trying to take his life. I like the way he leaves that to the end. And by the way, God, I don't know if you noticed, but they're trying to kill me too. They killed everybody else and they're trying to kill me. Listen, God, things are not good. I'm ready to throw in the towel. And God doesn't say, oh, that's too bad, Elijah. (laughs) He says, Elijah, I want you to go out and stand on the mountain. I don't know if you've ever been on a mountain, but there's nothing better than standing on a mountain looking out over when you can see forever. And it kind of begins to put things into perspective a little bit. But God understands that Elijah probably isn't going to get to the perspective just by standing on the mountain. Something else has to happen here. And the neat thing is, the Lord decides to pass by. Did you catch that? The Lord's going to show up. The Lord is going to offer His presence to Elijah. In the midst of his downheartedness, in the midst of his discouragement, God is going to show up. When Elijah gets on that mountain, God is going to be there. It it reminds me of the the blind man. You remember Bartimaeus in in Mark chapter uh, 10? Here's the blind man. He hears that Jesus is going to pass by. And so when Jesus starts coming, he cries out. And the good church folks say, hey, shh, don't bother him now. You know, God is busy. Now's not a good time to to bother Jesus. But that didn't stop Bartimaeus. He continued to cry out, and Jesus called him over. You see, this morning as we stand on the mountaintop, I hope you understand, right now, you are standing on the mountain and looking out, and God is passing by. Right now, God is passing by. You see, the Scripture tells us where two or more are gathered, the Spirit of God is in the midst of them. That means right now the Spirit of God is here. He's passing by. And if you're discouraged, He's here this morning to step into your life. He's right here. Just as Jesus was passing by blind Bartimaeus, and Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus stopped, and this is what He said. He said, call Him. And they called to the blind man, cheer up! On your feet, He's calling you. I want you to hear that. Get on your feet, He's calling you. Open your heart this morning, He's passing by. 
And the neat thing about when God shows up is that there's always hope when God shows up. In the midst of your discouragement, in the midst of those moments when you feel like there's nowhere else to turn, God shows up and He always brings hope on the way. You see, when God's presence comes, there's hope. He is able to do all things. And as Dave mentioned, the Mercy Me uh, uh, song this morning that, that started our worship offered up to us this understanding that even if He doesn't do it our way, God is still there. And if God is able, there is hope. And so Elijah goes and he stands on the mountain. And there's this big earthquake Oh, there's this big wind, and then a big earthquake, and then a big fire. And God isn't in any of that. I think that's interesting. Because don't we expect God to be in the big things? God, we always see God in the Scripture, or we don't always see God in the Scripture, but we, we frequently see God in the Scripture as being a God of these big events, big things happening. You ever read through Scripture and say, why did they put that little story in there, that seem to have absolutely nothing to do with anything. Those stories are in there to remind you that God's at work in the little things as well as in the big things. God doesn't always show up in the dramatic things. Sometimes He shows up in the quiet things, the gentle things, the small, still whisper. You see, too often we look for God in the dramatic. And we miss God in the quietness. We live in a world that's full of noise. Do you ever notice that? No matter where you go, there's you, you, you go. It doesn't matter where you go. There's always some noise, right? There's music playing. There's some got to be something. Um, I used to think turkey hunting was a great place to sit in the quiet. Um, but if you're a turkey hunter, you know if you get out early enough, you find quiet. But then all of a sudden, the birds start. And they get awful noisy. And if you're used to it being real quiet, man, it's like too loud. Shut up. I want to yell, shut up, birds. I can't hear the turkeys, for one. And I'm trying to listen. We look for God in the dramatic when God often speaks to us in the small voice. Scripture tells us that out of the mouths of babes comes truth. Did you ever stop and think about that? Out of the mouths of babes. Uh, young people frequently speak God's truth louder than the greatest preachers who have ever spoken. Why is that? Because God speaks in the quiet things. We see this very clearly in Jesus Christ. You remember when Jesus came? Um, everybody expected Jesus to be... I'm way behind on my uh, slides. Everybody expected Jesus to be this this great king who's born in a palace and, and they were looking for a Messiah who would walk in and, and conquer Rome. And yet what we see in Isaiah is that he grew up like a tender shoot and like a root of, out of a dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. You see, Jesus didn't come in the dramatic. Jesus came in the mundane. And God is still speaking to us in the mundane, not in the dramatic he can speak in the dramatic. But He frequently speaks to us in the mundane. 
He's still at work in your life. You see, even when you don't see Him in spectacular ways, He's still at work in little ways, in quiet ways. He's working to move you and to change you. Elijah, yeah, there's a, a fire and there's a wind and there's an earthquake, but I'm here in a little small voice to speak to you, to touch you, that you might experience me. Elijah comes out and he covers his face when he hears that, that, that voice. And as he covers his face, God is there in power. And God is offering Elijah a moment to be healed, to be renewed, to be restored. You see, when that word is spoken, it's the word of God. And John tells us in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 4 he says, in Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. You see, when Jesus comes into your life, when you're willing to accept Him into your life, He begins to transform your life. That doesn't mean you don't get discouraged sometimes, but what that means is when He comes into your life, He begins to speak His healing in your life. And all those struggles and all those trials and all that fear begins to be transformed into strength and courage and hope. You see, when Elijah is on that mountain, what he needs is the presence of the Almighty God. He's discouraged and God shows up. So this morning, I encourage you to come and experience God. Allow God to come into your life. Remind yourself of the hope that He has for you, that He hasn't forgotten you, that He still cares about you, that He loves you enough that He wants to heal you and transform you. He wants to give you the strength to get up from your pew today and have a change of attitude and a change to hope like you've never known before. And I would encourage you to stay here Now, this may be tricky, but I I encourage you to stay here until you experience God. Let Him come and touch your life. But God asks Him again. And this time when Elijah answers, I think Elijah is actually reporting this time. See, it's different. He's not whining anymore. He's not complaining anymore. But you see, the circumstances haven't changed. Did you notice they're the exact same thing? The circumstances haven't changed. Just because God showed up didn't mean anything changed. He still is facing the same struggle he was facing before God showed up. And he wants God to know, listen, God, this is what's happening. Now, God knows what's happening, but sometimes it's helpful to share with God how you see things. That's okay. And this time, God's answer is very different. Because, you see, God is using circumstances not to change the circumstances, but to change us. And so God comes to Elijah again after Elijah has experienced him and he begins to talk to him in a different way. This time he says, don't stand on the mountain and wait to experience me. This time he says, it's time to go. You see, God has has a plan for us and he wants us to go. Sometimes people get discouraged and they just sit and they do nothing. If you do nothing and you after you've experienced God, then nothing will change. But if you get up and begin to go and be faithful to what God has called you to do, you'll begin to see God again and you'll begin to experience him and your life will begin to turn up. Why? Not because the circumstances change, but because you've changed. 
And it's fascinating to me that, that Elijah is here trying to say, hey, hey but God, uh, you don't understand. I am still uh, struggling here. And God says, that's fine. Be faithful. Just be faithful. I, as a matter of fact, he tells him, go and anoint. That's what Elijah was supposed to do. Go anoint. And so he does. Go and anoint. Go and anoint. Go and anoint. Be faithful in the task you have. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw your hands up. Say, okay, here we go. Now I take the next step. Go. And God says, you can trust me. You see, I have a plan. What's interesting is God's plan is, is always for our benefit, isn't it? God always wants to bless us. And so as we follow His plan, He begins to give us a peace and a comfort in the midst of the hope that we've received. Not because the circumstances changed, but because we've changed. See? And what's neat about the, the plan of God is the plan hasn't changed. Did you notice that Elijah is upset because the people of Israel are rebellious? And, and according to Elijah, they've all wandered away. And it didn't matter what I did. We did the mountain thing. And they still didn't follow God. And da 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 But what has happened? God still has 7,000. You see, the plan hasn't changed. There are 7,000 that have already responded to God. And if we're faithful and put our trust in God, God will continue to work God's will in our lives. And we'll begin to see Him again at work. And that then will begin to lift our spirits. But we have to go. We have to trust Him. And last of all, we really need to team up. Um, so, you know, what would one Power Ranger be? I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> Beaten a lot. They get beat a lot, don't they, Kenny? It takes a team. Did you notice God says to Elijah, go find Elisha and anoint him as a prophet and begin to mentor him. Take him along with you. Go everywhere. And Elijah is so bad that Elijah follows, I mean, Elisha is so bad that Elisha follows Elijah everywhere. I mean, if you read the rest of the story, Elijah can't get rid of the guy. But that's a good thing. He's teamed up. And when you team up, then when you get discouraged, there's someone there to say, hey, look, trust in God. Put your hope in God. God's still at work. It's important to team up. We're here this morning as a team, and we've come together because we believe that God is still at work, that no matter what's happening in our world with all the struggles and all the trials, no matter who's president or who's in government, no matter what's happening in Erie, no matter how many kids are dying from opioid, we still believe that God's on the throne, God's at work, and as we put our trust in Him, He's going to continue to work in and through us, and we're going to see Him do great and powerful things as we listen to His still, small voice because we trust Him, we know He's faithful. And things begin to change within us. And the things that are within us begin to change what happens around us. You see, Elijah was afraid for his life. And God said, hey, listen. Find somebody who can walk with you and remind you that you need not be afraid. So God says, come and experience him. And then he says, go and experience him. See, the question is, what are we doing here? Why are we here? I hope we've come to meet with God. 
Because when we meet with God, He then begins to transform us and encourage us and lift us up. And I hope that we've come not just to meet with God, but after we've met with God, to go and serve God, that we might see Him at work in our world, in our lives, in our everyday life. You see, God's here this morning. And He wants to move in your life. Maybe this morning you you came because you're seeking to, to find out what God is really all about. I want you to know that God is mostly about loving you. And He loves you so much that He sent Jesus, His Son, to come and show us how to love one another. And then He came to take away all those things we've ever done that are wrong. And sometimes we become discouraged because we look at what we've done wrong and the decisions we make, and and we say, oh man, I, I just keep screwing up over and over again. i got good news. You see, the Lord Jesus came to forgive us of those things. He paid the price for those things so that we could start anew. You could start anew today. If you'd ask Him to come into your life, ask Him to forgive you, He'll give you a new life. It'll start today. I hope this morning, if you've come to seek God, that as you experience Him, you wouldn't just sit in the pew and say, wow, that was a great moment. I really felt God's presence. But rather that you would say, okay, God, now that you've touched me, I will get up from here. I'll put my trust in you. I'll follow you. Let's bow together and pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your presence here right now. For the power of your spirit and your grace. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters who are sitting around us who are downhearted. Ready to give up. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you'd encourage their hearts. That you would allow your, that your spirit would fall upon them. And that they would be renewed and encouraged and uplifted. And Lord, we just pray that, that everyone here this morning would know your presence in a powerful way. We pray for those, Lord, who came this morning who, who don't have a relationship with you. And we just ask that this morning they would hear through your spirit your great love for them. And that they this morning would reach out to you and allow you to come into their hearts and forgive them and encourage them. Lord, we pray that you'd help us this morning, that we would not be so discouraged that when we get done experiencing you, we wouldn't get up and go and experience you as you work in our lives. So Lord Jesus, we come and we wait upon you. And we respond because we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.